So hi everybody, this is Jana, and welcome to the Advance Your Belly Dance podcast, a weekly podcast about business for belly dancers. Today I'm talking to Lisa Zahia on owning and marketing your own studio. So Lisa, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, This is Lisa and I have been belly dancing for about 13 years and uh, 11 years ago I moved to Asheville, North Carolina and I opened a studio here. Um, We're in our second location now, it's slightly bigger. And I have owned the studio for eight years. So I've had a bit of an evolution with the studio. And I'm currently shopping for a, a bigger space. So that's exciting. Um, in addition to owning the studio, I also travel and teach and also work um, in different types of dance modalities working with children. Oh, wow. That sounds really nice. So you're actually looking for even bigger space, which means yes. you've been doing pretty well. Yes. Classes have been good. All right, perfect. And if anyone is ever actually out in Asheville, I really recommend hanging out with Lisa, not just because she's a cool person. She's really calm and down to earth, and it's really fun hanging out with her. So I really recommend you guys go check her out. Thank you. You've been teaching weekly classes for how long now? I have been teaching weekly classes as a belly dancer for 11 years. So I started pretty early in my belly dance career, and I've been teaching in Asheville for 10 and a half years. So I started almost immediately when I moved here. And I feel like one of the attributes to the success of the studio has been consistency. So I have taught belly dance on Tuesday evenings for 10 years. And do you find there is a certain time of the week that people are more likely to come to class? Because I know when someone's first starting out, trying to get weekly classes started, I know that was my problem here in Berlin. It was trying to find, okay, what day are people going to go? And here, actually, in Berlin and Germany, a lot of people go on weekends, like on Friday nights, and I myself can't even bring myself to a dance class during that time. (laughs) I think that that you make a good point, which is just doing the... Like, doing the research. I always say to people, if I dropped you in the middle of the city whether it's Berlin or Asheville, you'd want to have a map and you'd want to understand how to navigate the city. And I would parallel that to, to teaching or any kind of business to so do your research. This is a um, like a touristy town and it's a town where people are really active. So we do workshops and classes on uh, weekend mornings that are fitness oriented. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. here, I don't think a Friday night would work. So I, I did a lot of research and then I also researched when other people were teaching and, and, you know, tried to be respectful of that, just offer something. I think that I have done well with like that right after work time for beginners, because, you know, like an advanced student is prioritizing belly dance. So they'll come at eight o'clock at night, but I've found that for beginners, like a 6 PM time slot has done really well. And I think that like, like we have classes every night of the week, And for me, I try to put classes that would attract beginners earlier in the evening. Okay, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Because I think think when when you're advanced, you're 
you're basically living in the studio. You want more and more of classes. You don't care what time right. it is that you're in there. But yeah, beginners kind of need some earlier times, perhaps, or right after work where it's easier for them to just head on to the studio right after. Yeah. And I always think about barriers to entry. Like, like if you, I mean, I think we all do it. If like somebody would be like, oh, do you want to go to this event? And I'm like, yeah. And then there's like all the things that pop up that make me not want to go. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. it's like easier to come home and sit on the couch. So I'm like, what's the easiest way for me to get them in here? And it's like, and then how to get them to come back. And part of that is like making it at a time where, you know, they can come directly from work and like, it's, it's easy. And if they have children, you know, they're still getting home at seven or seven thirty. And you, before you moved to Asheville, you were out in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. How do you find the difference? Did you teach there as well? How do you find the difference between the community I, there and in Asheville? The big thing that I would say that would probably apply to any like dance or fitness modality is that because Baltimore is a bigger city, people were more worried about how far they had to travel, Mm -hmm. um, which I think you would find in a lot of larger cities. We're here. There's really not very much that's more than a 20-minute drive, and that's that's far here. Because I'm centrally located, I don't think like, oh, somebody who lives in this part of Asheville is not going to come here. And that's been useful here. It also means that there's more competition because it's not as big of a town. Uh, as far as the belly dance community, I would definitely say Baltimore because it's so close to DC. There's so many wonderful, amazing teachers there. It means that like on the plus side, the community is more developed and it's bigger, but on the, on the negative, I don't even know if it's negative, but just as far as like setting up a new business, there were a lot of people who were established and there were a lot of events. So there was a lot of noise when you were trying to get the word about you out there. Do you mean events as in like other dance related like shows and stuff or just particularly with like there are just so many classes or both or I would say both like I think in that community it's exciting because there's lots of different belly dance but there's probably a hafla every there's two at least two belly dance events every weekend oh wow yeah which can which can be a lot and then For me, it's also like when you think about marketing a business, it's like, how am I going to speak to the audience? And there you have to say, this is how I'm unique. And here I have to be like educating about belly dance because it's newer. I mean, I wouldn't say at this point because a lot of people know about it because we've been around for so long. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely more of like a general education as opposed to having to be more specific. That's kind of how it was when I lived in London. It was just a well-established community where there's always something going on so the trick was okay how am I going to set myself apart from the other teachers and travel factor is definitely a huge thing like who's going to come all the way here (laughs) on the metro (laughs) when it doesn't work half the time (laughs) so right and it's such a big city yeah but here in Berlin I found it a bit the opposite there's so many especially Berlin is like the city of art and culture here actually in Germany and it's got a whole bunch of stuff going on as far as dance classes go but here it's an overwhelming amount of classes but not so much constantly happening in the community that's what I found interesting it's not like every week or weekend there's something happening in the belly dance world it's more just this studio is putting on their yearly festival during this time and the other studio is putting this on and that's pretty much it there's not much in between 
And I think that's what I've seen that's fascinating in traveling. And I mean, I know you've traveled a lot too, is that every single community is different. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever been somewhere and been like, oh, this is just like this place because it's, and I, I think that that is what I would advise people is just like really getting to know and understanding a community before you started to develop your business. That's true. That's probably one of the reasons why I've also stopped. I've stopped recently just teaching weekly classes just because it's been, it's been more time consuming here than it was in England. So I'm right. just focusing elsewhere and there's nothing wrong with that. Once you move to a place and you see, okay, this might not work out, but you just move on to the next project basically. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's something unexpected that comes with owning a studio and running your own classes, kind of being the sole person in charge as opposed to renting out a space in a studio that's already there and just kind of working with them as opposed to owning it yourself? I think that the level of ownership you feel and it's really been amazing. Like, like one thing that can be challenging for me is I'll be teaching and I'll get really distracted by the space because I'll be like yesterday, I was like, I have to clean the fan. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I'll be like, you know, because there's like this extra level of responsibility, Mm -hmm. but with that, like the, the other side of that is that you have all this freedom and you can, I can prioritize my class being at six o'clock, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to create the, this is the other thing for me. And I think that if people have seen pictures of the studio, it's unique. It doesn't look like a traditional dance studio. And that was important to me because we, we offer a variety of adult dance classes and I wanted people to feel really comfortable. And I didn't necessarily want people to be like, you know, whether they're new to dance or they'd had some sort of like childhood dance experience that didn't feel like that. And to me, like, being able to create the space I wanted has been really fun. It wasn't something I'd even thought about. I was, I feel like I kind of fell into the studio ownership and especially the studio growth. And it's been interesting to witness all the things that happen. I think the other thing that is surprising is that the amount of like business work you have to do. There's administration, there's marketing. And for me, my degree is in business. I enjoy dance and teaching equally as much as I enjoy being an entrepreneur. And that's what I would encourage people to think Mm -hmm. about is like, do, am I interested in being a business person? That's a really good point because oftentimes when I talk to dancers, they don't understand being a dancer is being an entrepreneur if you want to be successful, hence this podcast. <laughs> I mean, and there's so much that goes into it that a lot of dancers don't know. And I've mentioned this before in my newsletters and online. I also run another business, which is design work and how many resources you find between being a successful designer that have to do with being a good entrepreneur. There's not that many resources for dancers in that sense. And I'm always surprised because it's the exact same thing. It's just another creative outlet. Absolutely. And it's just surprising that many people don't think about that. And that if, if, if that's not, if you're not feeling passionate about that, you, you do have to run your own business as far as like your performances and that, but I probably wouldn't take on a large scale part of it unless, unless you were excited about that. And I think like you were saying, like use 
general business resources. Like I'm doing right now because we're trying to move to a larger, larger space, like five year strategic plans. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to be like, like I get all jazzed. I'm like, I want to make a spreadsheet. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people are like, like I equally stand in the left brained and right brained and you know, it's just like, does that feel good to you? Is that exciting to you? And if not find somebody who's, you know, a studio owner who's really good at owning a studio and then partner with them. Like, I think there's lots of different ways to be a, a dancer and a dancer who's also a businesswoman. Oh yeah, for sure. And if, I mean, if you're not excited about one part of, I mean, I'm not that thrilled with accounting. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go and study finances and account, you know, you just hire an accountant, you know, so you just can just kind of throw money at the problem too. If that's, it's, it's better than wasting your time if that's not something you're really interested in. But I think there are parts of being a dancer that people, you don't think in the beginning that you have to know about it. And right. unless you're someone that has an unlimited amount of resources or, for example, money to keep throwing at problems, you do have to kind of do it yourself, mm -hmm. at least in the beginning, and you do have to learn a bit about it. So I always find it interesting that there's not that many things out there. There's not that many dancers saying that out there, at least what I've seen. I think in America it's different. I have noticed that talking to dancers in America as opposed to here in Europe. I also think that like it's exciting to see for me to see belly dancers take on like that professional business side and just like like the presentation of like yeah like if you enjoy like if you want to learn photoshop or a graphic design program like and you like stuff like that do it if not like pay somebody to like I enjoy seeing professional websites and professional flyers and because to me that's just upping our game overall yeah yeah and I, I think that that's exciting, but it's also like seeing people take it on as a real business. Yeah. So what are some of the best and worst advertising methods you've tried out? Um, I think that one of the worst is like um, things like advertising in the newspaper, um, any sort of what I would call like a mass advertisement in a large media media realm whether it's like tv or i haven't done that but i did the newspaper and to me it's like we have you have to think like i was saying map out where you're going mm -hmm. you have to think who's the customer like for me it's you know like 90 percent female um they have to have disposable income and so if i put an ad in the paper which is pretty expensive um there's a couple of key flaws for me there one is that i'm hitting the entire population half of which, and more than that, are not interested in what I'm offering. Yeah. This, the second thing is that it's not measurable. So I don't, I don't know if that $800 ad, which is expensive, um, you know, like if, if people saw it, um, I have, I have made exceptions to that. Like we won like the best place to take the dance class in the city. And I put an ad in the paper for that, which I felt like was useful. I think so. I I regularly ask my customers how they heard about us and why they're staying. And for me, the best things that we um, have done are recently Facebook and Instagram advertising have been stellar for me. And I think that part of that is it's measurable and it's it. I can really 
clarify who I want to see it because they allow you to make a very distinct audience. So I can be like women who live within 30 miles of here who are interested in these things. Um, and I can create different ads for different parts of the business. So like the kids classes is a different ad than, you know, um, Mm -hmm. belly dance classes. Uh, other things that have worked is, um, well, the biggest way that we get students is word of mouth. And I think for that, considering that, that people's experience is also advertising. So just like really buying into a great customer experience has, has done well for us. And then also like not being shy about being like, tell your friends, you know, or, or yeah. running special to that end. And then communicating with the customers you have, which is email newsletters, um, Facebook groups, Facebook pages, things like that. Okay, so it sounds like social media definitely kind of trumps print. Absolutely. But that's a good point that you made about being able to measure the success of what you're spending money on because that that is a really good point. And if you can't measure it, how do you know if it's working or not? I guess unless someone came in and, oh, I saw your ad in this newspaper and that's why I'm here. But, I mean, it's easier to track, I suppose, the social media ads, definitely. Yeah. And I think even if it's a very casual way, if you just regularly are having conversations with your students, like, how did you hear about this? Mm -hmm. Um, People will um, let you know how, yeah, tell you and then and then you'll know. And I think that that's a good point is there's not a tried and true formula either. Like, some towns, maybe it's hanging flyers. I think that we probably overly rely on that because it feels like like it feels like I'm doing something like I printed out these flyers and hung them everywhere and I did it and that's gonna you know and I think that I instead if you were like where are these women who are interested in cultural arts and movement and maybe they also go to yoga so maybe if I'm just starting I'll also go to yoga like I also think just allowing yourself to be the advertisement it's useful or like for me, like a lot of places that I, like I, I'll put rack cards, which are like a taller version of a business card in like, like sort of the higher end salons around town and things like that, because they have the exact audience that I want. Just being thoughtful about where your customer is. Yeah. And that just takes figuring out, I mean, yeah, yeah just a few different locations and different kind of audience like where do they hang out same thing when you're doing things online you kind of want to figure out okay should I be spending my time on this social media platform more versus this other one yeah it just takes time I feel like one of the big things I see in the Billy Dance community at large is that people are frustrated because they're getting small classes and within communities everybody's fighting for the same students Mm -hmm. and I am a big advocate of like, well, let's go find some new people. Like, yes, there can be, there can be multiple belly net studios in one town because like in Asheville, which is a relatively small place, there's 80,000 residents, half of them are women. And if I need 30 people on my belly dance roster to make it successful, like there are definitely 30 people out there, but I might have to go find them. Yeah. You have to be the person that's willing to go out there and, yeah. reach out to them. But you can't I, always expect them to find you out of the blue. We can't recycle the same 30 students who are going to every other belly dance thing in town. Mm-hmm. That And then, then, then that also would make me say to somebody, like, how are you talking about what you do? If we're saying things like, 
using words like rocks, which, you know, like I love to use for more advanced things or like you have to speak the language of people who don't know about belly dance yet. Yeah. You're not going to expect them to know basic Arabic if (laughs) they're just, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You have other teachers, I believe, right? Come teach at your studio. Yes. So we have, and that, that's something that I think I talk about a lot is that I think the studio is successful. And I think that part of that is that it's not just a belly dance studio. So there are 10 teachers, including me. So nine additional teachers okay. and only one other belly dance teacher. So how do you, did you start that? Did you start that because your interests are not just belly dance? Because I know you also do hip hop and other things. Um, did that start because of your natural interest toward other dance? types I used to have a smaller studio and it was mostly me and then I think it was a combination of both me me being thoughtful about what kind of community I wanted to create and I'm really interested in in like using movement as a way to make people happy and make people feel empowered and I think there's lots of different kinds of movement that will do that so inviting other people to share in trying to reach that goal with me other teachers And then simultaneously, when I got a bigger space to pay the rent, I needed other teachers and also like, you know, physically not relying on myself all the time. Mm And I'm sort of like, I, I get to my end goal through the lens of belly dance because I'm a belly dancer, but I might have a student who's more interested in West African Mm -hmm. or hip hop. And we want to be able to meet their needs. And then uh, I think the, the third like thing that happened is that people who are dance teachers needed a space. So they would come to me and say, Hey, do you rent your studio? And I was like, guess it's time to expand. It certainly, there were, I think it grew organically. And at times that was surprising to me. Well, that's good. If they're coming knocking on your door, as opposed to you trying to find people, that means that you've been doing something right. Yes. So how do you go about with regards to advertising those other teachers' classes? Do you have it like, okay, you can rent this space, but you have to do all the marketing and advertising yourself and collecting payments on your own? Or is it kind of like, we will support you. You have to bring in the students as well, but we will support you. Mm -hmm. I do all the, we used to rent the studio and then I think because I have that interest in business, I wanted to create a cohesive product and I didn't feel like we were doing that with different like models of advertising. And I also wanted to have some investment in what was being offered at my studio Mm -hmm. and the quality of it. So everyone is a contractor with the studio. We advertise all the classes um, through. So the studio is sort of independent of me in that like it has its own Instagram and Facebook page and all those things. And then I have my own like Lisa Zahia business and then they are all paid a percentage of what comes in, which also allows them to be invested in the size and success of the class. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off the teachers as well that maybe not have as much of a business or marketing background Mm -hmm. as others. And that kind of takes the pressure off. They can just, tell people like I'm teaching here and they can focus on teaching the class that allowed people to join us who might not have had that like business interest that Mm -hmm. I have and I'm also like why recreate the wheel like if we have this large email list like why not use that to promote other people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not just me or because then like 
having us all together creates the largest audience and the most success. That's actually a really good way. I quite like that. I once taught at a studio here. Um, it was a different location from when I first started when I was here. And they had that same kind of setup. Like they were in charge of sending it out to their newsletter list. They created the flyers. They even created like a website and they just paid like a flat rate, like an hourly rate per mm -hmm. week. Um, and it didn't matter how many students came. Now this is where you can argue the pros and cons of it. Like if you're bringing in the studio, I think could only fit maybe 20 students, but let's say you brought the maximum 20 students. And if you calculated it, okay, yeah, you could have earned more money if you did it yourself, but I would trade that up for my own sanity <laughs> because having to do all of what they did for me, it's still expensive. You know, it's, I just have to pay for my time and the other resources that would take if I did it myself. Sure. And, and I, th yeah. I think a lot of people also have, have full-time jobs and you know, like they don't so that, yeah, that allows like, and also it allows the studio to have like cohesive branding. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I found that I, I've had other people question me about it is that I pay a percentage. So there's, I think our max is 30. So if people get 30 people, they get a big check, but I'm like, I want to reward that. Yeah. And it also has created a lot of um, incentive for the teacher to stay here. Do your teachers teach at other locations as well? Do you have Yes. Okay. I actually like, I think that there can be a reasonable expectation of, and I, and I talked to the teachers about this, about um, creating unique content for here, but I, I just personally, I think my business philosophy does not support like a full non-compete. I just really think there's enough for everyone. And I also understand that I can't support all the teachers full time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really like, I really feel like for me, my underlying belief has always been like, there's enough for everyone and there's other studios in town and I want them to be successful. Like, I think the more that there's dance, the better. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, I know that's unique, but like it has, it has done well for me so far. About the topic of competition with other studios, like, well, everyone has something unique to offer. It's all about I, how you present what it is that you want to teach. So, yeah. And I, I don't, I also like firmly believe that I'm not the teacher for everyone. And, and as you shouldn't be. Yeah. I had a, um, a, a business teacher once say to me, they were like, if you had a favorite boutique and it was on a street by itself, how often would you go? And I was like, maybe once a month. And they were like, but if it was a shopping district, how often would you go? And I was like, I would still go to my favorite one the most but I would go more often. And so I'm like, of course there are like, I don't think there should be eight belly dance classes within a mile of me every night. But I think that like with a reasonable expectation that like, like, like we can have this attitude of abundance and there can be enough for everyone. And, you know, like if somebody's like, I'm taking belly dance and I like this kind of class, then that, that might send somebody to me and then somebody to the other studio and that's going to be okay. There's enough for everybody. Yes. I think oftentimes people, especially I guess now where people are trying to fill up their workshops and festivals and classes and stuff. And it's like, Oh, there's just too many dancers doing. It's like, well, no, it's just, that's a good thing. That means there's interest. That yeah. Means that I, there's potential for like having students and clients, you know, so that's not a bad thing. 
Yeah. And I think like when I see other people succeed, like I've always really admired some other like studios in other cities. And, and I've been like, you know, like for me, like seeing other people succeed means that I could do it too. Mm -hmm. I just, Mm -hmm. I just really think that that I also think there's something to be said for like believing in abundance instead of believing in like limited resources. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's not enough for everybody and Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So how do you price your classes? Do you have kind of like a package deal for newcomers that you feel have filled your classes more? Or do you have like a single ticket? What is the way that's worked out the best? I have found that what has worked the best for us is having the intro class be a series and not like a, a weekly drop. series. Like-, uh, like, like it'll be like eight weeks for okay. $80 because I feel like it makes people invest and commit and we I would say that we have two models at the studio one is series classes and you know I'm flexible with people if somebody's like I'm here from out of town I'll let them drop in it also makes understanding how much income is coming in really clear and then all the fitness classes that we have at the studio are drop in I was gonna say the the series one is also popular here a lot of dancers told me that that's how it works here and it makes sense because they the students feel like they're getting a package deal kind of like I will learn the basics of belly dance for example within eight weeks they have to pay up front which is good for the the teacher yes and then you know how many students you have and I I also think that it has it helps with retention because after eight weeks I think that there's a couple of key things that have happened one is people are starting to get excited about it you know like the first class can be really frustrating and they Mm -hmm. see they see some growth within themselves and I also think they start to feel like they're part of a community which is something I try to cultivate really actively in my classes and when you have the more advanced or intermediate classes do you still have series for those or are those more like all right you can start dropping in I do. Um, I do allow drop-ins to the advanced series, but I price it so that it's it's a better deal to take the series, and I encourage it. Um, and we usually, I try to tie the series to some kind of outcome. So, like, if you're taking a level two class, like, like I have, I have a curriculum, and like you'll learn these moves, and then once you've taken level one, like you're eligible to be in the student troop. And I think that. I've thought a lot about like what makes people stay and um, some of the key things I've seen is like a feeling of success, like they've accomplished something. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would say is um, community. So I try to, I try to think about how to create that in class. And then the third thing I would say is performance opportunities. And with performance opportunities, do you host regular hoflas or events? Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the benefits of having a space is that we can do them in here. You know, like it's not the pressure of, of renting a space, although we do, we do like a big show at a theater once a year. Um, and occasionally we'll do things at other spaces, but, um, I also believe in allowing beginners to have safe performance Mm -hmm. opportunities. And also where I'm being clear that I'm not charging somebody $20 to watch beginners. Yeah. If you're going to have the paying gigs, it's, takes pressure off the beginners as well and the audience is not watching beginners sure there's people who who would do it differently but i don't think that that's fair to charge 20 dollars to watch i mean it's 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 not fair to the performers or to the audience yeah it's just understanding that there's also going to be lots of different reasons people take a class Mm -hmm. you know and um Yeah, yeah i always tell this to other dancers too that when 
when I was asked before, okay, what do I do if I want to teach classes and this and that? It's you can't expect. Think about why it is that you started belly dancing. Ninety nine percent of the time, you didn't come in there thinking you were going to be professional ever in your wildest dreams. Did you think it was going to take you to where you are now? And you can't expect to have, for example, a beginner class and to teach them the same way that you would advanced students. Like advanced ones are the ones at the end of the day that have gone through all these other classes with you and that have decided, okay, this is what I want to do now. Whether it be their sole kind of job in life or as a side job or whatever, but they're the most dedicated ones and those are the ones that you want to focus on. Okay, now this is how you become a professional. And I see many people get frustrated that they're beginners or they're intermediate students, but their interests aren't the same. And you can't expect everyone to to want to be where you are today if that's not that's not why you walked into belly dance. And I think it's a good time to be introspective and be like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And for me, like I I really enjoy seeing people feel good about themselves and enjoy themselves. And then that's really different than how I'm going to treat like a girl who wants to get ready for a gig and like wants to be a professional. Like I'll be a lot more serious and I'm like, she's my customer and I'm also going to give her what she wants. Um, and I, yeah, so I I think it's a, I think it's really good also to be like, what do I want and what do I want to serve people? And also who are my customers? And, and I think like, like just making sure you think about all those pieces so that you're attracting the right people to you. Cause if you're like, I want to teach people how to get ready for competitions. That's really different than like, I want people to feel good and like move their body. Yeah. It's kind of a different market. I mean, they're the same people in your class, but they have different goals in the end. And you need to ask yourself, okay, can I, am I the person that can help both these totally different markets? If not, who can I send them to? Absolutely. And when you, Well, we all know as freelancers or self-employed taking a vacation, especially I know when I was still living in the States, it's like too complicated. (laughs) Do you find that as a studio owner, you cannot take any time off? Are you constantly working or do you make it a point like, okay, for the summer we're closed? A lot of studios here in Berlin closed, like they value their vacation time, which I quite like that idea um, to take time to actually unplug and just go travel somewhere new or just not work but I know that in the states that it's a different kind of mentality I was like I went to see my parents for one night no uh I would say that it took a really long time and I because we have other teachers I finally feel like I'm in a space where like if I go away for a week like the studio is not going to close and um I am fortunate enough that the studio's done well enough that I've been able to hire a manager and that's you know the other thing is people are like how'd you do that and I was like it took 10 years Mm -hmm. and just like sticking with something and then um but I was still traveling a lot because because I travel and teach workshops I've I've been able to do a fair amount of traveling but I feel like in the last two years is the first time I've been able to do stuff where I travel and it's not dance related. And I'm, I'm certainly talking about like what I would call like an American style vacation, which would be like a couple of days over the weekend. <laughs> you come back. Yeah. Like the idea, honestly, like the idea when people are like, I took two weeks off and traveled, I'd be like, what did you do? Like, how, what do you do with all that? Time? <laughs> how are you not bored? Yeah. 
it's definitely yeah. different. I know. I mean, it's different. When I, I was lucky enough to teach in France and like we had a couple of days off at the end and they were like, do you just want to lay in the hammock? And I was like, all day? No. What? <laughs> what do you do with it? <laughs> yeah. It like, makes me start sweating. And I like got nervous. I was like, what am I going to do? They were like, read a book. And I was like, ah, I do think that that's something that I am looking forward to as the business evolved is having a little bit more balance in my life. And I would say I certainly sacrificed some things early on, but I feel like I'm, I'm able to reap the benefits of that now. Yeah. And that's what it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be working your entire life to just to work. I mean, obviously you should be working something you enjoy, but I mean, there's other things beyond work that it sounds obviously simple enough, but it's something that I've realized recently too it's like okay well my life isn't just about work yeah and I I think also just like for like I'm not the same age that I was 11 years ago amazingly and (laughs) you know even for me too like other sources of income like away from just using my body or like um gigs and being like I don't really want to stay up till one o'clock in the morning yeah, I quit that scene a long time ago. I was not up for that life. <laughs> like, I don't want to wait around half an hour backstage until someone decides it's now time to dance. And then I don't want to wait around half an hour afterwards to get paid. And no. it's been like, and I, I do feel like that I do feel like it's scary, but I do feel like I've seen success in being clear about what I want. Like, I'm like, I'll do a gig. I'll do like, some weddings I'm not I don't want to do any nightclubs I like to do audiences where they know what belly dance is like it's just not in my nature anymore and I I gave some things up and then other things came up to replace them and I really think like I was like I'm clear about what I'm going to be the best at right now yeah the more clear you are with what it is you want to do the more opportunities I think you find if you're willing to do anything and everything and be everything to everybody it's the struggle you're it's you're constantly trying to prove because you have to prove to people why would they have to hire you as opposed to someone else and if you are not overly developed in one area of dance for example or like I know a girl in Florida she's awesome and she does weddings only and she's been really successful at that because she's found her niche like she's found her market And people know to hire her when they Google her, they see, you know, she's developed her business on that. And I think that's a really good way to basically make money off of what you're okay with doing. Oh, yeah. And I think like, like for me, there's also like, again, where there's space for everyone, like I don't need to take every gig. And there are people who have studied with me who are now working dancers who are working at restaurants. And are having this, like, like when I started doing it, it was so fun and, like, I loved it. And now, like, I literally, like, like was, like, feeling myself feel dread. And I was like, I shouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. You start feeling and, burnt out. You're just like, what yeah. am I doing? Why am I doing this? I read an article once where it says, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. If you're not extremely excited about an opportunity and it does not value, uh, it doesn't align with your values and your goals then just pass it on to someone else. Don't do it. It's not worth your time and effort. I think that that is very true. And also like just trusting that and like, it's scary, but like when I was able to do that, I did better than I had been doing before. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's scary because you're thinking, should I be taking on any gig or should I be taking on any type of class? Should I be teaching this? Should I be, you know, just because you're trying to make ends meet? Some of the, I, some good advice I heard about that once is somebody was like, don't put yourself in a position, which occasionally we cannot avoid, but like, don't be in a position where you're desperate for them to hire you. Mm-hmm. Because if you're like, I need every gig. And then the other thing is like, sometimes I'll ask myself, is there a chance I would feel resentful towards this? Yeah. Because like, if you're like, oh yeah, I'll get $60 to drive two hours and then you're going to start doing it. And you're going to be like, like every part of your body is like, don't do it. Yeah, if you feel physically ill at the thought of having to do a gig, it's probably not the gig for you. So do you want to share anything you're currently working on? I think that one thing that's been um, exciting for me that's new is I've been venturing, which has been sort of a, a long time part of my career, but I've been highlighting it as more is I've been going sort of outside of belly dance and I'm doing like, I'm I'm a life coach and doing goal setting, but also like women's empowerment work. Uh, using different kinds of movement and that's been really exciting for me and new Um, and then within belly dance um, I'm doing more um, virtual work so both like coaching online and teaching online and also um, like business development goal setting I'm going to do a class in the new year that's like what do you want to have happen next year and how to make it happen so all those things are on the forefront and on the horizon for me. And I've been excited about them. That's awesome. And where can people find out more information on your website? Yeah. So Lisa Zahia, which is dot com. Awesome. And we'll have that as well in the description once the podcast launches. So thanks so much to Lisa for joining us this week. If you like the podcast, don't forget to give a five-star review on iTunes and come hang out with us in the Facebook group, Advance Your Belly Dance. Or come visit the website at advanceyourbellydance.com. Until next time.